0: All right. So in light of today's uh, scripture passage, which I know was crystal clear as you were listening to that, I've entitled today's sermon, uh, It's the End of the World as We Know It. (laughs) Does anyone know the next line? And I feel fine. Very good. Very good. For the REM fans, this is kind of a first, second tier REM fan. Uh, This is like from the document album. I forget what year that was. Maybe like 87, 88. Um, fantastic album. Most people are all about automatic for the people, but I go back to documents my day. Anybody? Thank you. Good. And Life's Rich Pageant. That's, wow. Okay. Um, Thank you for indulging that with me, but um, I wanted to name it that. Now, when I was in high school as a senior, I don't know if you were able to do this in your school, but you could vote on your class song. Anybody? So me and my friends, like, that's the one we wrote in. Like, we wrote Into the Rules We Know It, we threw it in the hat, and we were convinced that as they, you know, at graduation, we would all be sitting there and reflecting on the words as they played the song, and the people in the audience with the bulletins following along, wondering what the song is about, but we were convinced that the four of us were really going to enjoy that, right? But uh, they did not pick that song. Did anybody, what, does anybody remember your class song? that was it (laughs) is that seal Uh, same thing (laughs) seal (laughs) all right we got one R. Kelly anybody else any other class songs you remember who graduated with some sort of Green Day terribleness anybody with that one Got a couple up here, uh, yes, yes. We all white suburban high schools, right there. <laughs> um, anybody else? You remember? Can you? You probably. I mean, I can't. I had to look in my yearbook, y'all, and it was some stupid Boys to Men song. <laughs> That's what it was. Like REM got pushed out by Boys to Men, and it was a cover anyway, huh? Staring that was it. That's like an eight minutes. That was really your class song? Are you serious? <sighs> we, grew a, we grew up in the worst time. That would have been great. Stairway to, why didn't I think of that? I was like, okay, all right. It's already taken. Wow, Stairway to Heaven. I was thrown for that. I was going to bring an iTunes gift card in for the winner, so you would have won that. I'll send it to you, but maybe you because you sang. That was, that was <laughs> fantastic. That was fantastic. Oh, my gosh. Um, no, I like the title of that song because the sentiment, I like that the sentiment is relevant. I think in every, in every century, at least since Christianity kicked in, every century has at least wondered, is this it? Is this the end of it? When I was in college my freshman year, uh, I checked the mailbox in the student center, and, you know, we had that little, just that little square hole that they put. me. We used to like sign each other up for things. That was always fun. And then it got out of hand when someone got a Playboy. So uh, I did not do that, by the way. Um, (laughs) uh, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. Um, But anyway, I checked my mail one day and uh, there was a letter in there sealed, stamped, written to me, like handwritten. And so I opened it and it was like two pages typed. So I thought this is legit. And about two paragraphs in, I don't know who this person was, but it was addressed to me. And it was about the end of the world. It was like one of those, you know how you get chain emails? Well, they, they used to come in paper form. <laughs> and like, I was reading this letter and it was like, all the signs are pointing that this is the year. That's, and it's, there was even a date. And, uh, and I sat down because like, I wasn't aware of this. You know, I was 18, I I went to youth groups, so I came into Bible college with like a youth group background, so we never got into end times eschatology on Wednesday nights, Uh, you know, just silly string games and things like that. So I was a little confused, and like, I believed it, because it was typed. Are you with me on that? (laughs) And so it really started to make me nervous, but then it was like, if you don't pass this on, like, that's what got me. I was like, I'm already sort of an anxious person anyway, and it was like, oh my gosh, if I don't pass this on, I'm going to die before (laughs) Jesus comes back, you know? And so I didn't really know what to do. And so I thought, I'm going to go to a professor's office and ask him what he thinks. And so I go to the seminary. I didn't stay in the undergrad building, you know what I mean? So I went to the seminary building and was just kind of looking at the doors. And I was like, I have this guy for a class. And so I knocked on the door and uh, it, it opened and he was like, Yes, Derek, may I help you? And I walked in and I like gave him, I just put the letter on his desk and uh, he picked it up and sat back in his chair and and he goes, hmm. (laughs) And I was like, right? We didn't say that back then, but I was like, right? And uh, I said, what do you think? And he put it on the desk and then he opened a file cabinet and then he pulled out this like hanging file and then he, put it on the desk, and he said, can I keep this? And I was like, why? And he's like, I've been keeping these since like 1965. <laughs> I mean, the dude had like a library of end times letters, right? And that still wasn't enough for me. I was like, right, but, <laughs> but I just remember him telling me like, you're fine. You can go, uh, you can go in peace, that kind of thing. So anyway, So depending on what kind of uh, religious community or church community that you grew up in, um, discussions about the end of the world or the end of time or if you grew up in the church, like Christ's second coming, uh, discussions about that may have been strange for you. I don't know if you went to a youth group that kind of paid attention to that kind of stuff. Um, That can be strange, especially if you're not like a religious person. It's like, I don't really, I don't think so much about the world like just not being anymore. You know, like all the things around us, it feels kind of strange that it would be talked about in that way. Maybe it was frightening for you, like it was always a carrot of like, you know, you need to get your life together because Jesus is coming, so look busy, (laughs) look religious, you know. Around Halloween, you get invited to those like Revelation, end times, things in the woods. You know, we've talked about that before. Like, somehow the end times always include a chainsaw. Uh, (laughs) I don't know what that's about. But maybe it was frightening for you. Uh, Maybe it was confusing. If you've thought about these things, it's confusing, especially people who come to the conversation with, like, charts and graphs and answers to the riddles and Revelation, things from Revelation, and uh, all that sort of stuff. There's a great quote. I don't know who it is. It's rather old, but... Just, I'll leave you. I'm not leaving you with this. We're not done, but uh, I don't. It's anonymous, but it says, "Be skeptical of anyone who knows the future of heaven and the temperature of hell. Be very skeptical of those people, the people who can sort of tell the future about what Jesus is going to do with you and with the world." And so, but I, I can remember sitting in on conversations like that, people wondering if this was it, and how all the signs of the times point to something in the Bible right? More confusing is why does the Advent season begin with this story that Jeremy just read for us, where Jesus is talking about similar things, where Jesus is talking about the end of the world as we know it? Why does Advent begin this way? And why should we be paying attention to things like this anyway? Well, the word Advent simply means coming, like something is on its way. In this case, someone is on his way. And that someone, of course, is Jesus. My son says Jesus is always the right answer. Uh, I told him he's wrong. Um, (laughs) Sometimes it's somebody else. But anyway, uh, but in this case, it is about the coming of Jesus, the arrival of Jesus. Yes, amen, out there on the street. (laughs) Now, the Advent Road, if you're familiar with church uh, life, the Advent Road takes us to the manger. We'll be back here on Christmas Eve, and we'll celebrate that. It's a wonderful evening. But originally, the season had very little, if nothing, to do with Christmas. Very little to do with what we now associate it with. The earliest records we have of an Advent season are around the 4th or 5th century, on this side of Jesus. And it was mostly a season for the church for people preparing for baptism, much like Lent is. And so there's this season of preparation, this season of reflection, this season of learning. And so there's this uh, reflection on the past, on our past life, but also on the future, and the future of God's world. Advent in its earliest Years had very little to do with the birth story of Jesus, but more about uh, preparing to follow Christ with our lives. Now, Advent always begins with the end. The birth of Jesus was most assuredly uh, an act of, as C.S. Lewis puts, I love the way he puts this, that God wrote himself into the story. In order for us to understand story that God is writing. God wrote himself into the story. Or uh, from John chapter 1 verse 14, Eugene Peterson's version I love, that the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. That Jesus became a person, that God showed up in the person of Jesus. Why? Well, there's a lot of reasons for that. Probably the most powerful reason is simply it's, a, it's, it's to show the world that history has a destination and that the destination is where creation, the cosmos, humanity, and all of that are at peace with God. This is how the very first story of the Bible ends, by the way. It ends on this Sabbath, seventh day rest with God, this completion, this place of peace, And that has always been the trajectory of creation. And Jesus, God writing himself into the story, Jesus is, uh, one one of my friends puts it this way, Jesus is the future, but he came back to the middle to show the world the way to the end of the story. And Advent, then, is not just the expectation of the birth of Jesus that has already taken place, by the way, Jesus has already been born. We're not waiting for that. Um, But we are remembering that. We're reflecting on that. But Advent always begins with the, not birth of Jesus, but the return of Jesus. The return of Jesus. So if you have your Bible, Mark 13, I just want to hit two or three things here. I say two or three like I haven't prepared. But two or three things that I want to point out uh, to you as we get through this. Now, chapter 13 as a whole is pretty weird. It's the longest speech of Jesus in Mark's gospel, and it's also known as the little apocalypse, that Jesus is being very apocalyptic in this section. It's easy to read this and just play Bob Dylan music over it and just sing the words. Like, it's very, I lost everybody right there, but that's fine. Um, I know of what I speak, but this is known as the little apocalypse. Jesus is speaking in a very apocalyptic way, which is a very specific genre of teaching, of writing that was ingrained in the Jewish consciousness. So the way that Jesus is speaking here, although it's weird to us, is right in the wheelhouse of those listening. They get this. They understand not only what he's saying, but also what he's doing. But us Americans here, we have to kind of uh, work through this. Now, the setting is Jesus is speaking about the coming destruction of the city of Jerusalem. I don't know if you know this, but from the years 66 to 70, Jerusalem was under siege again. And in the year 70, it ends with the destruction of the temple for the last time, leaving only a few walls, outer walls, that we now know as the Wailing Wall. And the city of Jerusalem uh, underwent great tragedy, in these several years. And Jesus is speaking about that. He's pointing to this. It's confusing to those listening because it is a futurist kind of thing, but he's speaking about that. That this city in which you live, this life that you live, is going to be upended. Some of you won't make it. It's going to feel as though the world is ending. And then in our text... Jesus starts talking about stars falling from the sky and the moon goes dark. Uh, In another text, it's the moon turns red. And if you're a U2 fan, it's I'll see you again when the stars fall from the sky and the moon is turned red over one tree hill. Thank you very much. But um, that was free today. But so Jesus is speaking in these very cosmic terms, but he's borrowing from the prophets of Isaiah, of Joel, of Ezekiel, and of Daniel. And so he's sampling, in a sense, uh, with words of disturbance, always in cosmic language. Apocalyptic literature and writing and teaching was always in cosmic language, that the natural world of the stars and the moon and the earth is groaning beneath our feet. This is the language of the end. This is the language of creation being upended. And typically when people speak like this, it's to explain current events theologically. Uh, it's in other words, it's already, it already has begun but the Vegas shooting now begins to be spoken of theologically. People begin to try to make sense of it, putting religious language in it or cosmic language to it. And so Jesus is explaining current events theologically but also giving hope, and how God will come through. Uh, David Jacobson, uh, Boston University professor, says it this way, apocalypses reach deeply into the symbolic fund and mythic resources of a tradition in order to invoke divine transcendence in the face of difficulty. It's poetic. It allows us to uh, feel what's going on and not just interpret as we see it. And I think it's interesting because sometimes it can feel like the end for us. I don't know if you've ever had a season in your life, but I, I would say that all of us go through seasons in our lives where it may not feel like the world is ending per se, but it certainly feels like our personal world is under pressure. Has anybody felt that before? Like that it's being upended, like it's changing and maybe even ending. You know? Uh, that something significant in our lives is closing. It's it's ending. Uh, Whether that's a season that you're leaving, a relationship that is ending, uh, a move that is impending, it can feel as though something of importance, of significance is closing. But it can also take the form of these things that you've worked so hard for They're now coming apart. Again, that's all things. That's relationships. That's your job. I think in my years of pastoring, it feels like the top three things, when they come apart, cause the most pain. And one of those is like losing a job. I feel as though in my conversations with you and with many others, when a job has been lost, it feels like an ending. Has anybody experienced that before? You feel be, you feel like you, nobody cared about you. You feel like it was all for a waste of time. It just—it's very interesting how—and how, I've experienced that too. I've been—I've been let go. We've—we've uh, we've moved on from you, um, but it definitely feels as though something that you've worked so hard for and with is now coming unravelled. But then there is the world around us—the warnings of environmental breakdown can't avoid that anymore. You know, it's nice and cold today, isn't it? Nope. It doesn't matter. I will still sweat. I was telling the setup team today, I was like, maybe I won't sweat in heaven. Maybe, maybe that'll be my, that'll be my reward. Well done, good and faithful servant. No more sweat glands. That'll be like, that'll be the most amazing thing for me. Uh, Yeah, just that kind of stuff. Uh, I don't know if you've been awake this year, but political unrest, you know, and social unrest, the abuse of power and the unfolding of injustice. I always find it interesting. It's been fun to watch the national media work out morality. Um, they're trying. I mean, I, I give them credit. It's, it's a new thing for them. But uh, they recently released videos of people being sold into slavery in Libya. I don't know if you saw these. But I don't mean to be arrogant, but it's like, Christian organizations have been fighting that for a long time. And it's like, this is brand new information. We knew years and years and years ago there are more slaves on earth than there ever have been in history. You know? I just find it so interesting. But I, I love that it's coming to the fore. I love that it's out there. And, but sometimes it can feel like, what is happening? And just the growing distrust in our leaders... And that it's time for men to get their stuff together. We're starting to see this now, you know. And as a man, I agree. um, That That's just been very interesting to watch. It's also been interesting to see how quickly someone who was loved is now hated. That's very interesting to me. They used to make fun of the church that we would love the sinner and hate the sin. But apparently in the world, it's hate the sinner and hate the sin. It's very interesting to me. And I bet the people that are now putting their lives back together might really be attracted to that. If you would love me, that would be great. At the same time, the horrific stuff that has been going on on their end to hurt the lives of women is nauseating. It's it's terrible. But it's an interesting time. And I think in these times it can be very difficult To live forward. Algorithms are killing us, by the way. We already have a tendency as humans to see what we want to see. But algorithms are making it nearly impossible not to do that anymore. And now more than ever, it's so easy to sit in this kind of like, well, I guess it's over. I guess it's over. When there are better stories being told. When there are better things being birthed that we don't see anymore. And this is why Jesus tells this weird story about a fig tree. He says, From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. I always think of Olaf. But you you know that summer is near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. That somewhere... Jesus is saying that somewhere in the darkness, a light shines through, that summer is coming. This is is sort of the hook in the story where Jesus is saying, I know the world feels like it's falling apart, but in that, you must see the signs that summer is coming, that light is coming. And then let me close with this. Last part of the text that Jeremy read for us today. But concerning that day or hour, no one knows. Don't you like it when Jesus goes, I don't know. I don't know when the end is. Stop asking me. Uh, Not even the angels in heaven, nor the sun. There he is, like, back off. I don't know. I think he did know. But anyway, uh, but only the Father. Be on guard, he says. Keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. It will be like a man going on a journey. And he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, obviously a rich man, and commands the doorkeeper, very rich man, to (laughs) stay awake. Therefore, Jesus says, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come. And in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Stay awake. Advent reminds us that God is taking history to a conclusion of renewal, which is hard to see when we occupy a world that tends to show signs of deterioration, And decline. And yet, Jesus holds out for us this vision and promise of a new world. I like that. But we must stay awake and participate in that and not to disappear into despair. Why do we light the Advent candles on Sunday, Sundays during the season? Well, one, it just sort of marks the time for us. But it's this progressive. Uh, more and more light comes into the room. More and more light comes into our home. And in the midst of darkness, and in a world that can be pretty dark at times, that the light grows. The light expands. And we always say this at Easter, but it works here too, and that's that resurrection Like always follows what? Death. And we know in life, just in life in general, that death is a very much a part of how life happens. We live because of death. Things die so that we may eat and be alive. And Resurrection always follows death. And Death always follows a birth. And Advent begins by taking us to the birth of Jesus, by reminding us first that this is about resurrection. And so as we walk through this season together, let's stay awake. Let's look for the new things that God is doing in our places of work, in our homes, in our neighborhoods here in this church. And let's keep our eyes open to that. Amen.